Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Game Cash, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz every week that I tell you to do, all the interactive, uh, every... I tell myself every week I'm going to figure out impressions, all the impressionable actions that you could do for our podcast. Doom. I, every week I'm like, I need to remember that word. I need to remember that buzzword that's out there, impressions. Everything that can be done impressionally with us, please do. In terms of the podcast, that is, you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, and if we're not on a platform uh, that you listen to or prefer, I guess I should say, let us know. I'll get us on there. I'll, I'll, I want to spread, cast the net as wide as possible. You get what I'm saying? And of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games, like, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, aka Travelist on most internet platforms. And joining me today are the thoughts and sounds in my head, that voice that won't go away. No, I'm just kidding. It's just me this week. Uh, one of these episodes, <laughs> it's, it's Travis shouting into the void. Uh, super late minute, last minute you know, thing with Mike and I uh, that popped up our schedules kind of out of nowhere collided. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just get on and talk to everyone this week uh, and make sure I catch up with everyone and get everyone caught up. Uh, it, to regard, it's kind of a slow news week now that we've had, you know, the avalanche of info come out uh, from the Xbox Game Showcase and Summer Games Fest. And we're kind of in that, you know, waiting period now before we get to obviously, um, you know, uh, the uh, Gamescom opening night live and, you know, everything like that uh, to the second half of the year, then even in the end of the summer, too. Um, so we're kind of in that, like, just the it's the aftermath effect of the showcase and not E3, E3. You get what I'm saying? So kind of a light news week. Um, so we're just kind of hanging out. I'm just going to catch everyone up on what's going on just in general and just bullshit like we do with these episodes. I still don't have like a an actual like actual term for these episodes or actual like hey this is what we're gonna call these episodes whenever mike whenever it's just me on the show whenever it just works out that it's me talking one-on-one with you guys um but the show must go on you know i at this point i feel pretty confident in the fact that and probably for the last like two years of the show i want to say and just in general i mean i've been doing content creation in general and kind of you know, talking and working and writing about video games for the better part of five years now, I want to say, on a consistent basis, um, I'd like to say. So, and at this point with content creation, probably about four years where I've been doing something either on camera, on voice, whatever. I feel at this point now I'm in that perception that somebody could just hand me a microphone at any time. Like, we're talking two in the morning, I'm dead asleep. Somebody wakes me up, hands me a mic. I could probably get up and go and just talk. Um, I've never had an issue with that, but especially now when it comes to just bullshitting with you guys, um, you know, these kind of episodes don't phase me. 
It, it's just normal. I'm, I, I just sit here and talk to myself. It's what I, let's be honest. And also, I don't want to hear this like, oh, uh, this fucking loser saying he talks to himself, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear anybody say that they don't fucking talk to themselves. It is like a scientific fact that everyone talks to themselves at some point. Like, I'm learning how to program right now. Like, for the past couple months, I've been learning how to program, trying to maybe do a little bit of a career switch, uh, you know, in something to complement, you know, some of the game dev aspects I've been doing. Programming is problem solving. And when I problem solve, and I mean problem solve in any aspect of life, doesn't have to be programming, doesn't have to be, you know, just mathematics, doesn't have to be, when I'm problem solving or plotting things out, I talk to myself all the time. I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. Maybe it's because of this. Uh, well, no, I can't because of this. Uh, you know what? I could try this because this thing could go. Like, I do that so naturally and all the time. Like, and I'm not the, I know I'm not the only person who does it. Like, I've talked to so many people who are like, damn, I can do it all the time. Like, to me, like, and it's not like a schizophrenic thing or anything, but even if it is, mental health, we need to talk about this stuff. Like, that's okay. <laughs> um, but let's more or less, let's get an address kind of thing. Like, let's help you out. Um, but this, everybody fucking does it. So I don't want to fucking hear. Everyone talks to themselves whenever they're going through shit. So this is just another day in the life, man. Like, except now I have at least like a funnel that the stuff goes out to. It spreads a little bit. It's not just my, it's not just my own echo chamber that is me, myself, and I hearing the stuff. So anyways, though, yes. Next week, back to normal. Mike will be back on the show. Uh, and we got some good stuff cooked up coming up in the next couple episodes. Uh, but anywho, this week, it'll just gotta be a nice chill day. Just relax. Just bullshit. Kick your fucking feet up, man. Take Put on the slippers. Put on the nice slippers. Get yourself a nice, you know, your beverage of choice. Maybe a nice cozy robe. Hell, even a corncob pipe if you're into that. I mean, we're keeping it fancy, man. Your relaxing style just... Let's chill. We're chilling. We're talking. We're bullshitting about what I believe is the greatest art medium in the world. Video games, man. We get to talk about video games. Anywho, uh, let's just get into it. Uh, what I've been playing, I will be honest, I haven't played a, I, for the first time in quite a while, I haven't really played a lot. Like, in terms of, like, multiple days in a row, I'm not playing anything. I've been fucking busy with, like, real life shit for... Whether it's work or just like family stuff, uh, you know, husband duty, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Just life getting in the way of our most precious thing in the world, video games. No, just kidding. I've been very busy. Um, so I haven't had a chance to really dig deep into some games. Uh, my wife and I rolled credits on The Quarry um, on our one playthrough of it. We're definitely going to be doing multiple ones. I know for sure I am. I would actually like to do a stream coming up and it might just be it might just end up being a halloween stream by this point knowing what games i have scheduled to whether it's covering for the show whether it's just for enjoyment coming out um or just ones that i re want to replay or get back into if it's a live service game that like i have an idea of what i'm going to probably be playing or at least have an interest in playing but for the next like little bit where i'm i'm just always in that mode of like we always want to know what that next thing is. And, and I think that's just naturally where we're at as a society now in terms of how we indulge in our entertainment. Um, that I just think that we're at this point now where we're always looking for the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Whether it's new or not, if you ask me, um, especially with gaming, it's like, man, I roll credits on this game. Okay, what's next? 
you know, I'm not just going to quit gaming. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for, give me the next game. Or what game am I going to, do I want to sink my teeth into now that's going to be a nice media experience? Or what live service game do I want to get into next? Or, you know, so I haven't, so I have a feeling that's going to be a replay of the quarry probably won't come till a little bit later in the year. Uh, and I'm thinking for the show, I would like to do a stream of that where we do the multiplayer, do it with, you know, Mike, Adam, everyone with the show kind of thing. Uh, we get together, whether it's at one of our houses or, you know, weekend at Mike's home uh, in our area that we can all get together and kind of do a either, you know, stream from the couch or something like that. Uh, or we just do it through discord. We make it work through the magic and power of the internet. Um, we could do that as well, but I'm thinking that'll be a good, you know, good time to get a nice playthrough of that. Cause this game has 180 plus endings. Like I got one of them. I would like to go through and see the others. I've even seen a couple, like I've watched, uh, Charlie, obviously most critical. If you don't know who I'm talking about, big fan of Charlie. Um, I've watched his like, streams and well i didn't watch them live when he did stream the quarry i, I watched pretty much all the streams at this point but um him and kind of funny are like the two that i tune into every day that's that's it um that i know for sure i'm on twitch every time they go live pretty much um but i didn't watch his streams on the quarry because i was still playing at the time didn't finish i don't want to get spoiled in case there were things that overlapped yada yada you get the whole deal um so but uh, Molly and I did watch uh, the recaps of his streams, uh, and it's crazy how different just some of the little choices are that is so much more deep and detailed compared to something like Until Dawn, uh, and especially the Dark Pictures Anthology uh, entries. So, like I said, Supermassive really, I think, outdid themselves in terms of that aspect of the game. I still have qualms. I still think some of the writing is, like, written by AI. Um, <laughs> but, hey, you know what? And this is, once again, a game that was made primarily during COVID. So there, people need to be realistic of how games are made and how productions are done and yada yada. So I need to I need to uh, get a dose of my own medicine and take my own advice on that one. Need to be realistic. <laughs> so, but yes, uh, outside of that, um, I actually jumped back in, started to play because I never finished the... Um, second entry in the reboot of Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, um, started going back into that. I've said this before on this show and obviously I'm not done with the game. I'm just going back through, uh, and getting back into it. So I picked up, I played there. I think I'm like halfway through a little bit over two thirds, maybe at the most. Um, so I'm still working my way through, but from playing the playing, uh, the new order, dabbling I, I i never i don't think i ever actually i don't think i ever played old blood i need to go back and do that um but from how much i enjoyed the new order how much i'm enjoying the new colossus that i think is an even better follow-up experience and how much i'm looking forward to the indiana jones project coming out from them it's true whenever you hear some studios just truly are underrated and I think it's crazy Bethesda, well, not Microsoft, but under the subsidiary of Bethesda, that they have two of those issues, an arcane, but more specifically to this topic of conversation. Machine games, man. What a fucking studio. I mean, there's not many other AAA studios out there that every project they put out, at least recently, within this iteration of that studio, uh, you know, who's here working on these games consistently... 
there's not more of a studio that I could see in their main, you know, mainline releases. Like when you think of, you know, Arcane or you think of, you know, even Bethesda Game Studios or something from a first party studio. There's not many more main entry releases that I see get more heart put into them than that Wolfenstein series. I mean, Doom's up there with, or it is up there with Doom um, and their reboot of that. I truly think Machine Games is hands down one of the most underrated studios in AAA gaming right now. Period. I mean, it's just in gaming, period, actually. Um, from the handcrafted nature they put into all these, the dialogue, the performances they get. Sure, we're talking about mocap that's coming from, you know, 2013 to 2015. Like, we're talking about things that are now five, well over five years old. You're starting to see a little bit of wear and tear. They're clearly looking, you know, these games are showing a little bit of their age, considering, you know, that they were made closer to a decade now than not. At the same time, though, it makes me so confident in their Indiana Jones game they're putting out, the inevitable Wolfenstein 3. I, I think it's I think it's all but, I don't want to say all but confirmed, but it, it would absolutely blow my mind that we don't revisit Wolfenstein with the success they've had with New Order, New Colossus. It would just befuddle me that we don't see the return of Wolfenstein, whether it's the third or even just a reboot of some sort, a reboot again. Um, I would think, though, that we see a third entry of that because it, I did not grant I didn't play Youngblood uh, or Cyberpilot, the VR experience or whatever, um, but I didn't play Youngblood. Uh, obviously, that wasn't received as well. Um, but when we're talking mainline entries, I don't know the lore that went into Youngblood and what's going on besides, hey, these are his twin daughters. And But I don't know if this is more of a, which I, I'll have to look up, but I don't know if that was more of a, hey, this is an alt history. I mean, the whole game's fucking alt history, but um, <laughs> but more so from that timeline, is it an alt history of that when, you know, BJ is, you know, having his daughters put on the exoskeleton and stuff like that, you know. So, I'm not sure, and I can't speak to that, but it makes me so confident in their next projects, no matter what, whether it's Wolfenstein or Indiana Jones. I I think we would be remiss to not think that Indiana Jones is a third-person over-the-shoulder action adventure game, like an Uncharted, you know, something like that. Um something that is akin to a Sony first party title in terms of presentation. Um, I think we're I think it's, I think it would be crazy to think of this as a first person game, anything like that. Um, but like I said, man, from the writing, from the approach, from the dialogue, Oh my God, the dialogue fucking is just chef's kiss, man. Chef's fucking kiss. When it comes to dialogue in these Wolfenstein games, not to mention when I think of Indiana Jones, I'm thinking, you know, bombastic. We're talking high, high stakes, tension. You know, this is this is the one of the kings of adventure. I think they do set pieces so well in the Wolfenstein series that I think it's going to be such a natural transition to something like that. I, I just I think they are truly you don't hear machine games getting the praise that they truly, if you ask me, deserve. Um it's this is a studio that consistently knocks it out of the park with their mainline entries. I think that they found a formula with Wolfenstein that works so well. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do in what I would expect to be not open world, but 
something similar to an Uncharted experience, and especially to in presentation of how the game actually plays, not from, you know, I, I like I said, I think from third-person over-the-shoulder action-adventure game, you're going to get uh, in the vein of Uncharted with that, but also, too, from that exp- that presentation of, hey, this is going to be a pretty much a linear narrative experience where it's not going to be open world. They may be expansive levels, kind of like Gears 5, uh, just since in Uncharted 4 was very similar to that and also um, uh, Lost Legacy as well. But more so, I guess, if we're talking to an Xbox audience, you know, Gears 5 was like that, too. They were they weren't open world, but they had these expansive levels that you can kind of go and, you know, stretch out a little bit. You can go and explore a little bit. There's things to that you can interact with, um, collectibles to find within there, stories that can be found in just those levels. Like Madagascar in Uncharted 4 is one of my favorite levels I, in all of games because there's so much storytelling just in the nooks and crannies that you can find in that experience. And that's coming from somebody who's platinum the game, who has done everything to possibly do in that game, played it more times at this point than I can count because I have a fucking Uncharted tattoo. Like, I... I, I think presenting that experience because i mean uncharted is very much so hey we can't get the i'm sure you know amy henning one thing and what you know shout out to amy henning for so many years and i'm so happy she's finally getting to work on a star wars project yet i mean yet again but something that is moving forward cemented star wars project again because that's somebody who is one of the most interesting and creative minds in this industry i'm so glad she's obviously been wanting to do this for a long time so i'm so glad that she's able to do that but I'm sure she looked at Uncharted saying, you know, I'm wanting to make an Indiana Jones game. We don't have the license to it. Let's just make something like that. Like, Nathan Drake is very much obviously in the vein of an Indiana Jones. So it's interesting now to obviously see how that's coming back around and Indiana Jones is finally getting this experience that many are expecting to be like that. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I think, I think Machine Games is one of the most underrated studios in this fucking industry. And I I really hope getting a big IP like Indiana Jones, getting obviously now the backing of both Microsoft and Disney with this, um, you know, this this is all primed up for really for them to get this. I don't want to say coming out party because it's very much, I mean, I think, I think really Wolfenstein New Order could have been, but at the same time too, it's almost like, it's almost like Deadpool. Think of Deadpool in the sense of, yes, Deadpool did fucking fantastic. But Deadpool's outreach as a rated R film is pretty small. Comparative to something like an Endgame or, you know, or even looking in-house at the, that point with Bethesda, uh, you know, an Elder Scrolls. Hell, even a Doom, you know, like, but even then, Doom's, you know, rated mature. But you get what the point I'm making. It's, it's restricted to a certain audience that that still doesn't make them, because of that alone, doesn't make them necessarily a household name. Unless you're, you know, Rockstar with Grand Theft Auto. Um, so I'm hoping now that this is an IP that obviously I think will probably fit in that T range, um, just given it being Disney and obviously this being a, you know, franchise that has kind of lived in that PG, PG-13 realm to begin with for its, you know, the longevity of its creation. So... I'm hoping that kind of that parameter puts that in a more presentable manner that more people are going to get to experience their games because they're fucking fantastic. So, um, yeah, I've been working on I've been working on playing through uh, New Colossus, getting through that and fucking enjoying every minute of it. Um, and 
yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I've been playing Destiny, like last week I talked about, obviously. I'm always on the Destiny grind, working through newest season, season of Haunted, um, and having, you know, a really good time with that, too. Um, I do need to get some more people to play Destiny. With. So if and, and I've even been thinking about I need to get back into consistently streaming. I need to get back into doing Destiny streams, whether it's just once or twice a week, uh, maybe with some listeners slash viewers, you know, getting back in, uh, running some missions and uh, some raids and things like that. So, um, yeah, let's work on that. Let's work on making that happen. Anywho, though. That's what I've been playing this week. So let's get into what's going on in the industry. Uh, kind of be a news roundup week, or news roundup this week. Not really one big topic, because there really isn't one big topic out there this week that I'm like, man, this is going to drive the whole <laughs> the whole show. I uh, like we traditionally at you know Starfield and Red uh, Redfall getting delayed. Uh, the Bethesda Game Showcase, Summer Games Fest, like recapping those. Like those are clearly getting the bulk of the show. Those are the main topics for this. Week. This is kind of back to a news episode uh, for this week, just for the sole fact of we kind of got a handful of not smaller, but like, you know, just kind of like nothing that's major headline breaking necessarily. Except for, though, this one is fucking tough, man. This first one's tough. I'll give I'll give it that. Tony Hawk confirms that plans for Pro Skater 3 and 4 Remake were abandoned after Blizzard merger. And we were kind of just talking about this last, I believe it was last week, uh, Mike and I on the show, and Mike even bringing up, like, hey, even though, you know, Vicarious Visions is obviously now, you know, be, or was now engulfed by Blizzard to work on Blizzard projects, and it sounds like, obviously, not only were they the main studio working on uh, Diablo 2 uh, Resurrected, but now it seems like they're going to have some Overwatch 2, I think, maybe potentially thrown in there. I'm sure they're probably getting some support, doing some support into what manner, who knows, on Diablo 4 with the success they have with Diablo 2 Remake, or Resurrected. So, like, it w it wasn't necessarily out of the realm of possibility with Microsoft coming in, Microsoft owning them, being able to kind of push, like, hey, let's, since it's all under one banner now, fuck it, let them make this game. Like let them let a Blizzard studio make it. Fuck it, who cares? Like we have the you know we have the license for it. Yeah, yeah. Tony Hawk wants to do it. He wants to give his name and light image and likeness to, uh, you know, them to make it. Yada yada. But anywho, as of right now, though, we kind of got the answer for that from the man himself. So this is right up that comes over on IGN from Luke Riley. As always, link in the description. Tony Hawk has confirmed that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater three and four was planned to follow in the slipstream of the successful 2020 remake of the original two games, but the project died following Activision's decision to officially merge developer Vicarious Visions into Blizzard. The skateboarding legend discussed the decision to abandon plans for more remakes during a Twitch livestream with Andy Gentle, a former uh, Neversoft designer who also served as senior designer on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Quote, that was the plan. Even up until the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, we were going 3 and 4, said Hawk. And then Vicarious Visions uh, got kind of absorbed, and then they were looking for other developers, and then it was over. According to, to Hawk, Activision was ultimately unimpressed with the proposals it received for further Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games, so the project went no further. Quote, the truth of it is that Activision was trying to find somebody to do 3 and 4, but they, they just didn't really trust anyone the way they did with Vicarious. So they took other pitches from other studios, said Hawk. Like, what would you do with the Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater title? And they didn't like anything that they heard. And then that was that. 
I wish there was some way to bring it back. I mean, who knows? Maybe when all the dust settles and we'll figure it out. You never know. I would have never imagined we were going to do one and two 20 years later. Activision announced uh, announced its decision to fold Vicarious Visions in the Blizzard in January of 2021, just a few months after the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. The Vicarious Visions team of around 200 people became employees of Blizzard and no longer create games as a lead developer. Vicarious Visions was founded in 1990 and acquired by Activision in 2005. Uh, and then obviously going on to talk about how well the, the remake 1 and 2 was received, getting a 9 out of 10 from IGN. Um, so, yeah... This fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm going to be blunt. <laughs> this fucking blows. Um, it's crazy to think how well that was received and like the vision of Activision primarily, obviously over Blizzard with this one, I would say. But it's crazy to see how they look at remakes and reimaginings even of their IP that... They have something as successful, as critically successful, and to my knowledge, commercially, I'm actually, um, let's look it up right now. Well, inside baseball, I'm just going to fucking look it up right here. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 sales figures. Let's see what we got here. Um, well, that's from September 14th of 2020. It becomes fastest selling game in series with a million copies sold already, so they're at least on a million. Um... Let's see. I don't see anything. Well, let's look on. Let's look on the Wikipedia. Uh, sales. Uh, yeah, it's just talking about how it's fastest selling game, selling one million copies. So, to me, though, this was very successful. Like, if I'm looking at this from the outside, I'm looking at marketing, I'm looking at reception, um, I'm looking at, you know, multiple versions of this game. The lowest, the lowest score this game received, just looking at Metacritic alone, lowest aggregate score this game received was the Switch port, for probably obviously re obvious reasons, uh, the hardware being a little bit more limited comparative to its counterparts, but received an 86 out of 100. An 86. You know how many games a year get at 85 or above? Not that fucking many. <laughs> really, not that many. You'd be surprised. Like, looking down the list of here. Destructoid, 8 out of 10. Game Informer, 8.75 out of 10. GameSpot, 9 out of 10. Games Radar, 4 out of 5. Hardcore Gamer, 4 out of 5. 9, 9 out of 10 from IGN, like we said. PC Gamer, 86 out of 100. The Guardian, 4 out of 5. US Gamer, 4.5 out of 5. Video Game, 24-7. VG, 24-7. No, we from a lot five out of five like I, this is what we kind of talked about before of there's such a big disconnect between the actual industry itself and the business side of the industry and it's getting egregious at this point a little bit like just a little bit where it's almost predetermined what is going to happen to you no matter an outcome. And I think that's getting to the point now where, in short, I think that to an extent, since video games have become so successful, I think that's kind of been a given to some regard. But you hear stories about, you know, stories like this so far over, you know, projects like this coming out, things that people have, you know, asked for for a long time that are totally behind. And, you know, 
just in general have so much goodwill surrounding them received very favorable if not great reviews overall commercial you know universally i should say you know it's just it's mind-boggling to me to see that turned around and say no like instead of being rewarded with hey you've proven that you can create games and you can develop projects as your own entity under our wing given your own projects and flourish with them that's met with because of i'm sure business reasons that's met with what is pretty much looked to be kind of a slap in the face I mean, it's it just, it, it boggles my fucking mind that, it just boggles my mind that this is how, this is what became of this game. Something that was so well received, so well received, that this is what became of it. Um, you know, and who the fuck knows now what's going to happen with the Tony Hawk's franchise? Um... You know, and yes, to a degree. We're looking at this game, it's very standalone. But we're also looking at this from, like, the lens of fucking microtransaction-riddled games, or the games industry version, or look at everything has to have, you know, what's the attachment rate on microtransactions and season passes and things like that, content to keep people coming back to these games, which can be a good, which is very much a good thing in some regards, but content that is shoved down your throat and very much is meaningful portions of the game that are behind paywalls and things like that. This game was very much a traditional, it's released, it's out, boom, you're good. Besides, obviously, getting the quote-unquote next-gen patch or now current-gen patches to... Xbox Series X slash S and PS5 um, to get unlock higher frame rates and, you know, things like that. So, to me, I look at this and I say, what the fuck's going to happen with this franchise? More importantly, what kind of message does that send, obviously, in Blizzard and Activision in general? And what does Microsoft do about this? Microsoft now has the ability to and I'm sure, you know, this is going to be one of those things that they'll probably, and I don't, we, who knows if we ever will truly know the parameters of the deal with Activision Blizzard under Microsoft. It seems like it's going to be much more Bethesda than, you know, what we think of when we think, hey, this entity is acquired by this thing. It's now a first party studio, yada, yada, like we think with Insomniac or... I, uh, you know, you think of a Naughty Dog or something. I mean, Naughty Dog was in house, but you get what I mean. Like, Insomniac's a good, I, you know, good thing. Um, where you're acquiring, and that very much is, you know, it's under the PlayStation Studios banner. Right now, we're still seeing everything that Xbox is promoting be- between Bethesda and Activision Blizzard, which the ink hasn't dried on that one yet. But it's very clear that, you know, they're ready to start making. You know, there's they have something in obviously in place to make that, and it's all but official. That you know, they're still presenting that as their two own entities. We're seeing the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase. You know, next year, do we see the Xbox Bethesda Activision Blizzard showcase, or how is that presented? You know, we've all we've been hearing that you know, probably by 
you know, 2023, 24 at the latest, that's probably when we slowly get to see, you know, it just become the Xbox banner. But that was also before the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. So who knows? <laughs> um, so it's kind of up in the air, man. And it's it sucks because you see a game like you, you just you feel bad for if you ask me more so than anything, you feel bad for those who busted their ass to make this game. All the devs, all the names in the credits of that game when you go into and you pull up the credits and you see all the people who fucking busted their ass from Vicarious Blizzard or Vicarious Visions, which, which is now uh, Blizzard Albany. Like, what does that say as from a management standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, like... At what point are you like, what the, what the fuck, man? Like, what, I'm I'm going to take my talent elsewhere. I want to, we received praise for what we did with this franchise moving forward. You know, we took, and that's even going back to, even before that, the Insane Trilogy from Crash Bandicoot was the last one that they put out before that. And they helped out on, obviously, Destiny 2's port on uh, Windows. But point being, they fucking knocked it out of the park with Crash Bandicoot, with the insane trilogies that really fucking set Crash back on the rails, which gave new life to that franchise. They did it again with Tony Hawk. Diablo 2, they knocked it out of the fucking park with the remake of that. Like, at what point are you then like, I mean, this is very much, this could be Microsoft's um, fucking blue point of Sony. Like, Sony has blue point, which is very much the remake studio. Knocking it out of the park with Shadow of the Colossus remake. Knocking it out of the park with Demon Souls remake. Like, this could be them. But what message does that say coming into it from Activision's end? And hopefully, that's not going to fucking matter. They're going to get in there. They're going to change things. It's going to be great. But at the same time, who the fuck knows? Like, nobody knows. It just, it's, it just sucks that this is what we got to at this point. Like... It just sucks. Anywho, let's head into the next news story for this week. Johnny Cage actor may be teasing the next Mortal Kombat game. Dun, 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 dun. This comes from Jordan Midler over at VGC Video Games Chronicle. As always, link in the description. The actor behind Mortal Kombat's Johnny Cage appears to have teased that he's recording new material for the fighting game series. On Monday, Andrew Bowen who played Cage in Mortal Kombat 10 and Mortal Kombat 11, tweeted a video of himself at the Warner Brothers Studio lot. I, you know, I played both games, both Mortal Kombat 10 and 11. I hear it called Mortal Kombat X, but also Mortal Kombat 10 at the same time. To me, it's 10. It's Roman numeral, it's 10, yada, yada. I'm sure it could go either way. But officially, what was it called? I honestly can't remember. A great game, and I mean, I thought 11 was even better, but and I'm excited for 12, but I, I can't remember what it, if it truly was called X or 12 or 10. I'm going to call it 10 because to me, that's Roman numerals. Yada, yada, you get what I mean. Anywho, that's just me rambling <laughs> to the background of music that sounds suspiciously like suspiciously like Mortal Kombat 2's opening theme. The video's audio says every dead, deadly technique, it's savage combat. The Mortal Kombat video game franchise launched in 1992 and has sold 73 million units as of July 2021, according to publisher Warner Brother Games, including 12 million copies of the latest entry, 2019's Mortal Kombat 11. Warner has yet to announce what's next for the series developer NetherRealm Studios. 
Journalist Jeff Grubb claimed last August NetherRealm was working on Mortal Kombat 12, suggesting the studio was pr uh, prioritizing it over its DC superhero series Injustice due to uncertainty over its future with parent company games, WB Games. Quote, it lines up with the reality and it lines up with what I've heard, where Mortal Kombat 12 would make the most sense because the, that game's that's a game they know will make money. It will sell well. Mortal Kombat 11 was great. It's doing well. But if you come out with Mortal Kombat 12, it will also sell and do well, Grub said. At the same time, you don't have to use any of those Batman or Superman characters that might be tied up in licensing if you're trying to get rid of NetherRealm or sell it to whoever. A sequel to last year's Mortal Kombat movie is in the works at New Line Cinemas. It was reported in January that the Warner Brothers' own film studio has hired Fantastic Four and Moon Knight writer Jeremy Slater uh, to pen Mortal Kombat 2's script. I'll be honest. From the movie standpoint, I thought... I thought Mortal Kombat's 2021, you know, the 2021 movie was about as much as you could ask for what Mortal Kombat is. Like, I didn't hate it. And I think that's the best that you're going to get from it. And and I, I'm somebody who loves Mortal Kombat. I'm not a diehard with Mortal Kombat by any means. But if I'm going to play a fighting game, that's usually it. It's usually, hey, I'm going to go Mortal Kombat. Uh, traditionally not Street Fighter. Um, traditionally not, um, you know, any of the other major ones that are out there. Mortal Kombat's usually the one I gravitate towards. I, I like the, you know, overt goriness, and it is very much the Doom equivalent of a fighting game. Like, to me, that's fine. It, and it's because it's acknowledged. Everything, we, you get it. Like, when you ever, listen to, if you're a Doom fan, listen to Hugo Martin talk about Doom. And just the philosophy behind everything where every he he's like, listen, everybody's in on it. We could be outlandish. We could be like it could be some parts, uh, you know, a bit of satire. We can we're we acknowledge in the game the fourth wall. Like we get it. We get it. Everybody gets is in on the joke here or in on what this is like. It's OK. That's why we lean into it like and that's where I think with Mortal Kombat, like, that's why I get so attracted to it. Because everybody's in on it. Like, you just get it. Like, Ed Boon understands this is just fucking nutty and crazy and it's outlandish and it's ridiculous and that's fucking great. And I think that's what made me like, to the most extent I can say like, the 2021 movie. So... To be honest, I forgot that they even came out saying, hey, we have a new one in the works. But it was successful for HBO Max. So, like, I get it. And that makes sense. So, of course, Warner's going to be like, yeah, fucking let's let's make it happen. Um, So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But anywho, talking about the source material here, Mortal Kombat 12. I completely, completely, completely agree with the mindset of Jeff Grubb. Shocker. <laughs> but, um... That makes the most sense in the world. Um, WB Games, I always thought, has been, an, I don't want to say an odd publisher, but an odd entity in gaming, um, where very much so it seems like they've capitalized and wanted to capitalize for quite a while on the boom of gaming, really since, I want to say, the 360 era like of their IP. And it's been very evident of like, hey, we're going to keep this stuff in the house now and be our publisher of our products um, that we own, you know, Talking DC, they own NetherRealm Studios with the, right now, you know, they 
I don't, they don't own, because I think NetherRealm technically owns the IP of Mortal Kombat, but, you know, if you part ways, and, but we've been hearing for a long time, oh, uh, WB wants to sell, or WB wants to do this, or yada yada, you know, they're willing to move away from X, Y, and Z, and, you know, you get what I'm saying. That, and even at one point, you know, before Bethesda was bought and everything, you know, it was rumored that Microsoft was, you know, potentially looking at them, so... To me, that seems like the most logical thing to do with how hot and cold Warner Brothers has been with their gaming division. At least from what we're hearing and yada yada. It makes the most sense where you don't have to, like Jeff said, you don't have to be tied up with the DC licensing. Injustice, great game. And very much another realm seems to operate similar to how Bethesda did for quite a while of once they got the Fallout IP, cool, we're doing, we're doing Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, yada, yada. And now we're seeing, obviously, that broken up with Starfield, but very much going back to it now after Todd confirmed uh, in an interview post, uh, you know, last week with after the uh, Xbox Game Showcase that, hey, after Elder Scrolls 6, we're going back to Fallout. Like, said it, you know, we're doing Fallout 5. So we're getting back onto it. But point being, they were very much in the vein of doing this, doing Mortal Kombat, then going to Injustice, then going back to Mortal Kombat 10, then going to Injustice 2, then going back to, you know, Mortal Kombat 11. So it it makes a lot of sense um, that if they want to continue this and really kind of if they're eventually sold, um, you know, to a different, uh, you know, entity, whether that's Microsoft or somebody else, who the fuck knows. But if they're sold and pushed to a different studio or publisher, I should say, it makes the most sense of to see that amount of work, that amount of money, that amount of everything kind of pushed in to then be pretty much left out to dry. A whole project that kind of will fall into purgatory a little bit. It's almost like a golden eye thing, where like now luckily it sounds like from what we've seen and heard that potentially we're going to have this, you know, whether it's, I don't know if it's a remaster of the original or just a port or what, that, you know, the Xbox uh, achievements popped up for a remaster of GoldenEye or, you know, at least a port of some sort of GoldenEye, um, the original version um, that is very much been the case study and very much the perfect example of what happens to IP that are in limbo. We're talking about a game that was about one of the, you know, bigger IPs in pop culture of James Bond that's owned by MGM that is, was made by a studio that is owned by, or at that time was owned by Nintendo, but, and was released on the Nintendo 64, but is now owned by Microsoft and they can't release that game, you know, if they would ever, like, for them to try to do that on the, uh, Nintendo 64 expansion pack for Switch Online. It's a fucking headache. That's one game. That's one of the games people really, really want. But all the fucking red tape that's around to get to that, it just it's left off to just fucking die right now. You know, and hopefully it sounds like Microsoft's maybe worked that out, and we're gonna get this, you know, remaster project or whatever. You know, for Goldeneye, that's fucking great. So to me, this makes the most sense for NetherRealm to kind of step in that direction to say, hey, we're going to focus on this. 
this is going to be what we think is the best approach to make this happen um, for our studio to go. And I think WB sees that as well. And if WB is smart, um, which realistically, let's look at WB Games, their releases real quick. Uh, WB Games. Just to kind of look at some of the games they have, you know, lined up and what they've pushed out. So, they start in, what, 2005? Four? Something like that? Yeah, four. First game out in 2005. With The Matrix Online. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that was... <laughs> I bought The Matrix Online. Did I ever play it on? No. Fuck no. My parents weren't paying a fucking monthly subscription fee for... I, I weasel my way... I was able to weasel my way in with World of Warcraft... Until fucking like they caught on to the gig of like you have we have to pay for this every fucking month, fifteen dollars or whatever it is every month for you to play one game. We'll just go and buy you a game. Like you think they were gonna do that for the Matrix Online? Fuck no. So, but I did buy it. <laughs> I think I got in like the clearance bin at the GameStop or something. Anywho, uh, but more recently, let's look at big picture stuff. Starting with, obviously, I think really the one that kind of put them on the map in terms of changing the outlook on licensed projects and what licensed video games can look like, Arkham Asylum uh, in 2009, obviously. Um, so looking at that, Arkham Asylum followed up by Rockman and then obviously a bunch of Lego games. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of like Nintendo DS and Wii games, more Lego games, uh, and then Mortal Kombat, the reboot. So Mortal Kombat 9 in 2011. So after that, I totally forgot that they published the fucking, uh, fear games. Well, well two and three. And also Bastion. Oh my god, I fucking forgot about that. Ah, uh, my god, that's crazy. <laughs> I forgot Supergiant worked with them. Anywho, though, uh, really, I think once Arkham Asylum put them on the map, but I th I would like to think, really, and Mortal Kombat did too, the reboot of Mortal Kombat did as well. That helped, obviously. But I think it was really when you got to, like, Arkham Asylum that they really started churning out, like, fucking hits like or arkham city i mean you want arkham city then going into like the rebirth of these kind of like good lord of the rings games with the shadow game shadow series not to mention then arkham uh knight and really starting to lean into then their ip and their you know joint uh working with uh fucking netherrealm studios with mortal kombat so you know, that's whenever you started to then see kind of like take out the Lego games and stuff like that. Like you started seeing, you know, pretty consistent like, hey, this is whether outside of really Mortal Kombat being kind of their own thing, like Dying Light is in there, too. I forgot about that. But like you started to see really kind of like consistency with what they put out um, and published that you're starting to see pretty decently like well-made licensed products so 
Um, not to mention, too, Hitman at that time was under that uh, under that banner. Uh, so it's it's kind of crazy. Back for Blood too. I forgot about that. Even I keep I keep forgetting the Turtle Rock. I uh, published under them. So, anywho, though, that's like to me this. Then it's clear what direction there Warner Brothers is wanting to go into really with their products with their IP, and I think that kind of leaves Mortal Kombat being the odd man out, and NetherRealm Studios kind of the odd man out. So, to me, why don't you just kind of... Let's position each other to have the best amicable split if it eventually comes to that. That, to me, makes the most sense. Um, And really, Mortal Kombat going with the 12th entry is probably the smartest thing to do it at. So, something I'm excited for, who the hell knows when we see it. Um, You know, if they're getting another movie out, I want to say probably by at least... I would say late 2023, early 2024, um, you know, I could see it definitely aligning maybe. And I don't want to say, oh, they get these games out quick, but like it always felt like to me that like they're getting these. It feels quick when they get them out. I mean, because granted, they have multiple teams working on things at this point because of them having pretty much two tentpole franchises going out at a time where you're, like I said, alternating between Injustice and Mortal Kombat. So you're removing one of those you've had. Having, you know, you're, And they've already stopped support on Mortal Kombat 11, if I remember correctly. The uh, Yeah, on July 2nd of last year, NetherRealm Studios has announced that Mortal Kombat 11 will no longer receive DLC and update support, and that will instead be focusing on their next project. So... I'm sure they already started on the project at that point at pre-production, let's say, for I would say for a solid, in true, true pre-production, not like, hey, we got a one-pager on what we want to do um, at least a year. And that, you know, so I would say, you know, in 2020, granted pandemic, things up in the air, but people are focusing on that or at least getting, you know, the next entry off the ground or whatever they're working next. And I would imagine Mortal Kombat and Injustice share the same engine. So, you know, I'm not saying like plug and play assets or anything like that by any means, but you already have a lot of the skeletal skeletal structure of the gameplay mechanics already kind of ready to go. So, you know, it's going to save a little bit of time getting that up and off its feet and kind of rolling. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see this game, you know, at least announced at, you know, Game Awards. And that's where they announced Mortal Kombat uh, 11. And same kind of thing happened. Same kind of thing with, I can't remember whose voice actor it was. No, it was the uh, Spanish voice actor. That uh, I think leaked it last time. So it wouldn't shock me if we're like, you know, same thing happened again. Like, you know, that, hey, we see this. It kind of started making rumblings. It was a lot sooner or a lot closer to Game Awards, but who the fuck knows? So I wouldn't be shocked if we see this pop up Game Awards. Not at all. (laughs) All right. Last one I kind of want to talk about. More so an interesting one. Just kind of like. Okay, sure. And, and and more in a hype way that I guess you could say. Um, real life horror and gore inspired the Callisto Protocol. 
a game that I'm very excited about. And, uh, Mike's getting excited about it as well. Uh, I'm getting him in on the Dead Space vibe. I'm getting him in on the spooky stuff of sci-fi spooky. Yeah, and he's I think he's sold, so we're getting him in. Um, but a game I'm very excited about. This comes from Ken Alsop over at uh, PC Games and, as always, link in the description. Fans of horror games, us included, are eagerly eyeing up the Callisto Protocol's December release date. So we spoke with the team at Striking Distance Studios about the upcoming space games, influence and inspirations, and what goes into designing such terrifying experiences. The team states that it would love the Callisto Protocol to be the start of a franchise, and such ambitions start at the drawing table. PC Games then spoke with Chris Stone, Chief Creative Officer at Striking Distance Studio and formerly Animation Director on Dead Space, about where the team are looking most closely for inspiration. Stone names genre-defining horror game series Silent Hill and Resident Evil as, quote, obvious influences, but says that Striking Distance Studio also takes, a quote, a lot of inspiration from movies like The Thing and Event Horizon. Stone quotes French and Korean cinema as prominent influences, saying both are, quote, really stepping up the game in the horror genre. In addition, Stone says, quote, we found ourselves looking at a lot of real-life examples of horror and gore. While these were a lot less fun to research, it was, su- it was some of the most memorable and valuable content when it came to creating realistic visual and experiences. This has been a controversial subject in the past, with some people questioning the long-term effects on developers of studying real-world gore for games such as Mortal Kombat 11. Of course, there's one inspiration in particular that everyone will draw comparison to, given Stone's involvement, or given the involvement of Stone, the game's creator uh, Glenn Schofield, Chief Development Officer Steve Pap. Papatois, sorry, along with Striking Distance art director, lighting director, audio director, and design director, all of whom worked on Dead Space. Quote, naturally, our creative fingerprints are all over the Callisto Protocol, says Stone. All of those ideas we've had for years on Dead Space that we couldn't do because the hardware couldn't keep up, now we can do, do them, and it's amazing. EA's own Dead Space remake is set to release in January, but Stone says the team at Striking Distance Studios isn't worried about that. Quote, I've shipped nearly 30 titles in my career, and we've always had competition. We just put ourselves in the shoes of the gamer and make the best game we can. So, it's kind of more of a cool nod as somebody who's a horror fan, both movies and games, you know, somebody who's really into the immersiveness the horror provides more than almost any other genre outside of, you know, like RPGs and things like that, that this truly, truly, truly... It's just like, I guess we can add Gortis, like salt on the wound. This is this is exactly what I want to hear when it comes to horror experience. Yes, it fucking sucks. I don't want in terms of like people having to see the shit and understand the shit. But obviously, there's a line that comes with that stuff that like, yes, we we gotta like approach this like let's let's do this at ease and let's let's do this in an appropriate manner, but. At the same time, too, for a studio wanting to put themselves in the best position to succeed with this project, with what they're making, and as somebody who's dabbled in 3D art and design and things like that, I mean, these are the only way that you get true reference is from actually seeing the things like that. I mean, that's what you have to do, but for things like that, that's the best possible outcome you can get like this will lead to the best possible outcomes period because it provides that nexus of just it's hard to explain from a creative standpoint that 
to me, this makes the most sense for them to do and makes me the most excited that kind of all like it's all hands on deck. The, you know, the uh, the cuffs are off like it's it's go time. And for a project like this, that is very visceral. I mean, if you've seen the, you know, the gore or the gorefied trailer um, that they put out that they didn't show, I believe, on the um uh, what was it? The they didn't show it on the uh, Summer Games Fest live uh, kickoff event. Uh, they showed it on I think like the following day on a follow up. Uh, that when they showed this though, like it is very over the top gory. It is not not in the sense of like it's like it's just like torture porn. It's not anything like that. But this is very much like you look at games like Doom. You look at games like you know, its predecessor being a spiritual predecessor, Dead Space, you know, that while not, you know, Dead Space wasn't necessarily the most immersive, or it wasn't, I should say that, it wasn't the most gory experience in the world for its time it was, but seeing the evolution of this, seeing what comes of this, like, this very much is, like, what you would expect if you were, this experience was going on. Like, there are no... This is no holds bar. And I think that's appreciated from me, the gamer, wanting to play this experience and wanting to, you know, experience something who is a fan of things like The Thing, like, you know, John Carpenter's, like these traditional slasher movies or, you know, movies in terms of like sci-fi horror, like Alien, like somebody who's a fan of this and wants to see more like this. That's what you would expect with this. It's weird, wonky, and it's it's gory. Like gore is a part of this and it's exciting to see you know this level of detail granted like i said hopefully it's done in a very like hey we're gonna mitigate some of this but you get what i mean where you're hopefully getting to experience this at the best possible outcome and that's definitely it so anywho guys i think that's gonna do it for episode this week so as always i'm your host because I know usually this is where i tell mike like hey where can people find you hey travis where can they find you oh i'll tell you where they can find me I'm your host, as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms, including at Travelist underscore. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelist underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so or just regular old Travis. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. So anything we talked about today, whether it's uh, whether it's fucking the Callisto Protocol, whether it is Mortal Kombat 12, whether it is, unfortunately, for the time being, no Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater 3 and 4 remake. Hit me up on any of those platforms where you just want to play some games. Let's play some games, man. <laughs> With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, be sure to subscribe, just raise reviews, all that jazz I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything we're in the show, video games like and Arctic Giveaways. That being said, thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.